Welcome to Right to Food, the voice of the Food Foundation. I'm Asha and I'm part of a team of young food ambassadors from across the country working with the Food Foundation to create better access to good food for everyone. We ambassadors have a vision and we've written the Children's Right to Food Charter calling for government action to tackle child food poverty and obesity. This week we're looking at levelling up and what that means in my hometown of Barrow and Furness on the northwest coast. Historically, what was a town? A town was a place to bring people together and to trade. And, you know, and, and through food, we can actually bring those functions back. Barrow was known as the Chicago of England. It was the largest iron and steel producer in the world and is still an important shipyard. These days, it's more like a ghost town. The government wants to level up the differences between North and South to help towns like mine recover from decades of poverty. Food Foundation Executive Director Anna Taylor explained to me what this means. Leveling up is all about trying to reduce the inequalities that are felt across the United Kingdom. So those inequalities might be in terms of uh, people's health, in terms of their well-being, in terms of their educational outcomes. So there are lots of ways in which people's experiences of growing up in different parts of the country are different from other parts of the country. And there are lots of really good reasons for that. And levelling up is all about trying to reduce those differences and give people more equal opportunities really across the country. I walked down my high street where all the big names have been victims of the pandemic. Topshop, River Island and Marks and Spencers have all disappeared from town centre. Since lockdown in a street of about 30 shops, there's only three open. Literally last week, a new shop closed. That's the third one in the past two months. The windows are painted over, the windows are boarded up with wood. The sale signs have all been ripped down. Even the signs from the old shops have all been torn down and just left in the street. And it's greatly affecting our town. People are losing jobs. Businesses are shutting down. Everyone's losing money. The entire town is losing income because there's no shops, there's no jobs for people. Everyone is having to go to different towns, different cities to work. And that in itself is expensive. Travelling in cars now is so expensive because petrol costs so much now. My mum struggles to get me to school because it costs that, it's that expensive. Like we're literally using it to the last drop. Leveling Up is set to invest £26 billion to stimulate local economies, boost productivity, pay, jobs and living standards. We're supposed to be seeing growth in the private sector, especially in those places where they are lagging. So where is it in Barrow? Daniel Turner is a businessman in Barrow who needs local footfall for his shops to survive. So I have a few local businesses around the area. I have a mobile phone shop. I also have a vinyl record shop and I also run an estate agency. Has the lack of shops in the area affected your business? Uh, Most definitely. Um, I think that especially with the uh, attraction of the big named stores um sort of like your your debenhams and your your shops like that closing have definitely made uh, a huge effect on local businesses as less people are coming into the shop to shop at the bigger stores they kind of miss out on the local side of things as well how has the situation of buying food more locally been made more difficult i think now um it's very very difficult to be a local independent trader um costs have have gone up for for us and for them from a food point of view um it also doesn't help that large supermarkets make it a lot cheaper for people 
to, to buy things. I think that the cost of living going up and the, the living wage not matching the cost of it has just made it difficult for people to go to a local butcher or a fishmonger or a fruit and veg store because they can get the same product even though it might not be as as healthy and you know less chemicals but they can get the same product in a, a local supermarket for a lot less and ultimately people need to look after number one which is them and their family um, and I feel that it's taken a, a massive massive effect on local independent traders especially in the food industry just because the cost has gone up so much for them and it's, they're, they're struggling to make a living even though it is it is better food um, you know families are looking out for themselves and if they can buy an apple for 50p instead of 75p from a, a large supermarket that's what they're going to do how do you think the leveling up scheme will change this i think support from the government from a local uh, into the local um, economy uh, would be a good thing um, i think if incentives were given to to the local independent shops i think that would make a massive massive difference with regards to what uh, is available to customers to come into the area and buy and my mum has just opened her own shop outside Barrow. After years of trying to make ends meet as a single mum, I asked her what she needs most from levelling up. Um, the, well, customers. Uh, we've, um, I've got um, a shop, which I can do from online, but ideally we need people coming in daily, which isn't happening at the moment because there's just nobody around in town to come shopping people are all doing it online so some sort of incentive would be great to get people back out and about shopping on the streets again. Lucas Hogg is from Peace and Loaf, an artisan bakehouse and cafe in Barrow. But it wasn't the footfall that forced him to move out from the town centre to an industrial unit a mile outside. It was the crippling rent. We have a really wide customer base. Um, lots of locals Lots of shipyard workers travelling in from different towns and cities. Um, we decided really to move for affordability reasons. Um, there was nothing available for the kind of size unit we require for heavy equipment in the bakery and industrial power. Um, so the Trinity, the Trinity site had all those things. It's a massively underfunded town and there's not um, a huge amount of opportunities for people wanting to do their own thing. Forget not having a reason to go into town. It's too hard to even get there for lots of people. And it's not just in Barrow. Anna Clayton is the Food Futures Coordinator at LESS. North Lancashire's Sustainable Food Network to build community resilience in the face of climate change and food insecurity. If you try to go from west to east across the north of England, it will take you hours and it probably won't be possible to get to some places. So there, very, there really is a sense of um, areas having been forgotten or lost. Um, but then, of course, within every place, no matter where you live, you're going to find areas where there are areas of extreme wealth living alongside areas of extreme economic poverty um, and again you'll see that within those areas there there are food deserts there's there aren't the same opportunities to do things outside of school the schools themselves might be struggling so again you have areas that are forgotten within our cities and just as an example 
one of our community gardens is um, or farms is on the edge of one of the more deprived areas of Lancaster and the people there will never go into the city centre they just won't and there's no public transport route and the only place to get food on that that estate other than the now new community garden is a chip shop a corner shop that doesn't sell fresh produce and this sort of thing so there definitely are forgotten areas as well um, and areas that need investment and time and care while a busy high street is really important for any town a vanishing town center means it's so much harder for people to eat healthily and to think about the impact of what they're eating on the planet Professor Nida Modi is the president of the British Medical Association and she says that the way we shop is having a massive effect on our health in this country. Getting to a prosperous and and healthy food economy, in other words, having access to healthy food for everyone, is, is something that can be done is done in many places around the world, but somehow we seem to have lost it in in the UK. And it's worth reflecting on why we've lost this, because it's clearly something that's happened over the years. Is it because, for example, families who are stretched to the limit simply cannot have, do not have a member of the family who is at home who is is cooking? Cooking takes time. Um, If you're going to go in for cooking that doesn't take time... if you're going to have the quick, fast but healthy meal, it means being able to access those foods on a regular basis because they're not going to keep, they're not preserved, they're not put in the freezer. So you're going to have to buy them regularly. And that means that as you walk down your high street, you're going to have to be able to buy the sorts of things that you will need to have a healthy meal on a, day, on a daily basis. So we've got to think of ways in which anyone can walk down a high street and buy healthy food, and that healthy food needs to be available. So the next issue is, of course, the supply chain. At the moment, we're dominated by supply chains that are forcing us to buy broccoli that was grown in South America. I mean, this is ridiculous. How is this good for the planet? How is this good for us? Why can't we be buying seasonal food that's been grown pretty locally and that also offers variety and variety? I mean, cliches are right, aren't they? Variety is the spice of life. And here, variety in food is the spice of healthy eating. Carolyn Steele is the author of Cytopia, which means food place. It's about how food shapes our world as we've seen over the last two years of the pandemic. You know, whenever you face any sort of situation, any big question in life, really, you know, you can ask the question, okay, where does food fit into this? You know, under COVID, we saw, you know, people obviously for the wrong reasons changing their food habits. And but some of the outcomes were positive. So we saw the famous cliched sourdough revolution where people sort of rediscovered the joy of baking their own bread if they were lucky enough to have the space and skill to do it. Um, And then we saw another half, you know, that was kind of discovering the joys of Deliveroo and just dining up food. And of course, you know, many of those changes are likely to stay. And then, you know, the huge increase in the number of people using food banks, um, because of course, there was a massive hit to the economy. And as ever, it's the people who are already struggling who suffer most. The book sets out a vision of how food could become central to the way we live again breathing life back into communities and connecting us with the land our food comes from. In places where food is valued, it brings people together. And I think in terms of the sort of town centres that have just been hollowed out by, well, let's face it, by capitalism, basically, and by where we've got to in that cycle, we need to rediscover, rethink 
What are we going to do with these places? You know, and historically, what was a town? A town was a place to bring people together and to trade. And, you know, and, and through food, we can actually bring those functions back. Sociability, exchange, and they can happen at any level. You know, they don't have to be at the level of everybody going to the market and getting their food, which obviously it would have been in the pre-industrial world. It could just be at the level of, you know, re-inhabiting an old Debenhams or something as a food hub, you know, and this kind of brings farmers in from the countryside, but it could also be, and there's wonderful examples of this, they already exist. I mean, there's a great place called the Food Shed in Canterbury, you know, right by the railway station, and it combines things like a farmer's market once a week, undercover, because it actually rains in, you know, the UK, so why not have a roof if you can? You know, permanent sort of stalls where you can buy artisanal cheese and so on. Like, so like a permanent farmer's market, if you like. Cafe, you know, they have events there. You know, people go there, you can buy food books there. It's just a, a whole range of things. And it's it's absolutely fantastic. It really does sort of, you know, replace what we used to go into the market in order to do. And And I think one of the things I love most about food as a sort of creator of change is that it, it can happen at any scale you know, and still make a difference, you know, so it can be somebody sort of making mince pies at home and selling them, you know, in the street, or it can be something much more formal than that, actually bringing a city closer to its kind of surrounding rural hinterland again. Five different flavours, five different sorts, black cherry, yellow submarines, all sorts, it's all to come. The sound of the Saturday market in Stoke, Newington, London, where local producers chat to their regular customers every week. But this is part of Growing Communities, the Hackney initiative that's been feeding its people and challenging the entire food system since 1996. But this isn't a posh farmer's market. This is about getting locals involved in growing, eating and meeting the producers and creating a healthy food economy for local people and the planet. But that's East London, and it's a longer way away from Barrow. So how do we get local people around here eating food from the farms and the countryside in Cumbria? Well, what the levelling up agenda is trying to do is also to create a sort of a greater sense of pride in your local community and the, lo- and the place where you live. Um, so that might be um, everything from trying to deal with the fact that, yeah, the, the only remaining places on the high street might be chicken shops and betting shops and the odd nail bar or something but but little more than that um and or and then of course a lot of of empty properties and i think the contribution of both sort of shifting to online shopping businesses closing during covid and rents being just too high for local entrepreneurs to set up shop um it's meant that we've now got this situation a tale of two counties is a report by sustain the Alliance for Better Food and Farming, and it looks at the differences between how farmers get their produce to their customers in East Sussex and Lancashire. James Woodward from Sustain explains that it really is about who's got the disposable cash to spend on food. Really, I think it, it to me it showed there's more that we have in common than we, than we do um, not. But at the same time, there were certainly a lot of issues around um, accessing local markets was a different thing in the southeast um, a lot of farmers felt it was um, easier to do because there's london is a real big market that they can supply into and and, and they're kind of local to that in a regional sense um, and i think in lancashire there's a lot of there was a lot of kind of questions around being able to either 
um, create a new local market or expand a new local market. So, I, and I think that partly shows the disparity in the kind of income that people probably have between um, a lot of people living in the north compared to the south, for example. Um, but I think there's a lot of ways that that farmers and 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 growers and food producers, no matter where they are in in the UK can find ways to connect with their local communities and markets through through supplying them with food. Um, I think there's always ways to find that, and I think that's something that, that came through in, in our research. One of the most important findings from Tale of Two Counties was how the lack of transport and infrastructure divides farmers and producers. But Anna Clayton of Less explains how these problems have inspired a brilliant community initiative. When you're looking at where the need is across the district or where infrastructure is missing, you inevitably end up going to these areas that don't have transport route, that often have big green spaces as well here as well. And so they're they're not deprived um, in a holistic sense. There's a lack of time and um, money or for whatever reasons, lack of care put in. But the resources there are incredible as well, from the green spaces to the biodiversity corridors to the community members in that area that are passionate and want to create change. Les works across the whole community in North Lancashire and during lockdown asked its residents to tell them what a resilient community looks like. We asked people to share their dreams, their hopes, their visions for the future and what they want to create here around food. And we ran this with all sorts of groups and people, from those with experience of living with food poverty through to those that are helping uh, run community gardens, through to public procurement offices, through to farmers... We, we really went and tried to get representation across the food system. And the visions that came out are beautiful, but they can be summarised as we're trying to create a thriving local food system that is healthy, resilient and fair. They include dreams for um, no child to go to school hungry and to be able to concentrate through to no one going without food, through to our district becoming an agroecological district. And dreams can come true. Anna told me how Clover Hill was born. On the edge of Lancaster, there's a state, an estate called the Ridge Estate. It has a weird curved shape. And along the edge of the curve, which is the outer edge of the city, you have this um, strip of woodland that goes right round. And then you have um, a school, large playing fields, and then you end up with open fields that run off into the forest of Boland that are often used for grazing. Um, And with our transition group, there was a dream to create um, an urban farm on the edge of our city that allows people to learn about how to live with the land, to be able to grow their own skills and to do whatever else they want to do if they have the opportunity to access land. So many people of all ages, class and income can benefit from these kind of initiatives. And when people start eating better, they're living better. And it's so important for the sake of the whole community. Anna Taylor from Food Foundation. You know, one of the missions the government has set out in the levelling up agenda is to reduce the gap in healthy life expectancy. So that's basically how long people live in good health. The difference between the rich and poor is 18 years in terms of healthy life expectancy. I mean, that is a lot of life, right, to be living in poor health in comparison to somebody who's coming from a situation where that doesn't happen to them. That's like 18 years of seeing grandchildren, right, or being able to do things with grandchildren. Um, So, I mean, it's just 
staggering how big these inequalities are, which is why the levelling up agenda is, is so important and why we really must make sure the government implements it. It's part of the dream of the North Lancashire Less Project. Within our vision is this idea of a 20-minute neighbourhood, um, which is the idea that no matter where you live in our district, within a 10-minute walk either way of your house, you'll come across a community garden, an allotment, a shop selling affordable, healthy produce. You can access educational skills on how to grow, cook, share, eat fresh produce. Um, and there's, there are support networks available and clearly available for those in emergency or crisis support and the path to get out of that situation. So what we need to do is reclaim those closed down shops and make them into places where people can buy food. Food hubs. And it's what farmers want too. It's James Woodward from Sustain, found in the Tale of Two Counties study. There are very few food hubs, if any at all, in, in the two counties that we mapped. Um, but there are a lot of farmers and producers really interested in the, in the idea of a food hub that could help take a lot of the stress around trying to supply into a local market because the food hub can provide infrastructure around processing or storage or distribution and things like that so it takes a lot of pressure off the farmer of things and another one which was really interesting is a lot of farmers were really keen to see um, uh, kind of local distribution centres that were electric vans and, and the reason being is they're really keen to really do their part around climate change and nature and um, being able to collaborate on these things is, is a really big thing as well so yeah it was it was really good to see that real excitement and diversity and the types of infrastructure that could be um, invested in in those local areas through through levelling up. As we look at how to breathe life back into our towns and our countryside, saving the planet and feeding people properly, it's a real opportunity to connect the whole community again. For farmers, it's very much a combination of being able to tell their story and what they do on their land and, and how they're part of the local community, both as an individual but as a collective. And the farming community is a very strong one and is a very closely binded one. And things like a food hub allows a farmer to, or a group of farmers to, um, to be able to do that um, in an easier way. And we often hear farmers saying that they want to have a greater connection with their local communities and the local um, customers that are there, but they don't necessarily have the time or the know-how. So things like a food hub can really help them do that. Up the road in Carlisle, it's already beginning to take shape. Emma Mackey is the Sustainable Food City Coordinator of Food Carlisle, supported by Carlisle City Council and led by the Soil Association, Food Matters and Sustain. And it's been running for four years now. So we are looking at the moment to set up a sort of infrastructure to support um, local growers and farmers and producers as well. Um, to So it's um, we're looking to set up the Open Food Network platform in Carlisle. Um, so we've created, we've got links with, we're doing a pilot programme at the moment and we have links with local producers and farmers. And we are looking to set up hubs in the community centres for them to deliver to so the open food network is an online platform that they can sign up to and they can have their products on this platform and people can order it and then the aim was that we could find community centres which were linked up near to big industry so for example like nhs hubs the university places like that the city centre where there are lots of people working who can afford to buy good quality locally produced food um and this pilot has been 
there's been a lot of interest for the pilot. So we are looking to hopefully grow that this year and reach a bigger audience. That's great for those who can afford it. But Emma says that Carlisle has plans that could offer an alternative to the supermarket. So we're also working with the affordable food hubs and the food banks to create these links between good food producers who also have excess food available. Um, And we're trying to create a sort of bulk buying scheme for the food hubs and the food banks so that they can get better quality food. So we are working with them to bring so it's not just a case of whatever food's available, it's that good food is available in these places. We've also created links with some community growing projects. So last year we started up again in another pilot. Um, we pilot everything to see whether it, whether there's uptake and whether it works and um, and also to get more funding. So we have several community growing projects across the district who grow food for the affordable food hubs and the food banks so that they can get good quality locally produced food and we're piloting these schemes in areas which have higher levels of food insecurity and higher levels of poverty um, because the volunteers who come along and help can also take food away home with them that they have produced Um, so we make sure it's as low waste as possible and that we can support as many people as possible as well. What Carlisle is doing as a sustainable food city is what every city should be doing. And Emma says that although it helps the producers and saves the planet, the focus has to begin with tackling food insecurity. I think raising awareness that if you tackle malnutrition and food insecurity and the wider dimensions of food insecurity, you will make a difference across the region in terms of poverty for people. You know, we're teaching people to grow their own food and to get engaged with these community projects. So there's not a lot of outlay and the returns are quite large. Um, we're doing a lot of uh, community cooking programs as well to educate people and how they can have like more quality and nutrition with what they're eating and that good food doesn't have to be expensive. Um, I think there's a lot of stigma around a well, healthy food must must be expensive Um but if you can if you can get it from a community project or um support your local grower um i think in a lot of cases the food's actually not as not as expensive as people might think but could high streets like mine in barrow be transformed into food hubs anna taylor closed down outlets on high streets could easily become food hubs in fact we've already made an episode about um this amazing place in margate it's called our kitchen in the isle of thanet which used to be a hairdresser and the council has given it to this community enterprise essentially um uh, rent free uh, on a temporary basis but nevertheless it's a fantastic opportunity and it's now a food club where people can buy low-cost produce um, get a lot of community support, interact with one another. It's created a kind of focal point for in the high street um, for building community, basically. So ab- absolutely there are opportunities to do that. It does require the council to think really progressively about how it's going to um, deal with landlords who own properties that have been empty for long periods of time, for example, and can't fill them. Uh, what it's going to do with property that it owns itself and um, whether it's prepared to really stimulate and invest in these community enterprises um, to create that social benefit. I am very critical of national government, but locally, our local authority is absolutely brilliant and they already are giving some money to the partnership and they host a food poverty development worker now as amongst other things. So I actually have a lot of praise for our local authority. Um 
but we would like to see um, more investment into feed and farming infrastructure to develop more direct supply chains. So from small mobile abattoirs through to shared processing facilities through to the setup of food distribution hubs in buildings that are currently empty. In terms of the high street, the hubs could be found there. But um, actually, we think they probably would work better where there's high um, or large residential areas and you build them around where people gather naturally. So around here, it might be your chip shop or in a, a village, it might be the town hall or a pub. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily that the high street in our context is the best place for it because there's not many residential areas and not everyone goes into the centre. But when we did reimagine the high street as part of our visioning process, what people wanted to see is space for community to gather without having to spend money and to have spaces there that allow for that. So almost like the recommoning of the high street in many ways, um, and particularly for younger people. We currently, McDonald's, hanging outside of McDonald's is the one place in our centre where younger people can hang out. There's nowhere else. I think people need to recognise that food is a huge part of our problems in terms of health and poverty, but because of that, it can be a huge part of the solution. Um, so looking to promote local producers and um, local businesses in things like the levelling up programme um, could really benefit other other places. Um, so in Carlisle, we are promoting these local producers and it's obviously making a difference. Now, it does take an element of local government to step in. However, we want to do it from a community up approach. So if the communities recognise that they are missing something, then it's about them leading on how to take that forward and how to make their community better um, and support each other. It's such a great idea, isn't it? to make the old top shop or M&S in Barrow into a food hub. It's in the heart of town. But what we want is for government to work directly with local authorities to give incentives to more healthy and sustainable food businesses on the high street. We also need the government to tackle the issues of how much fast food there is on the high street. And we need to know if levelling up has worked by tracking food insecurity. If children still don't have access to healthy, affordable food after billions of pounds have been injected into the North, how can levelling up be seen as a success? Thanks for listening. We've updated our Right to Food charter recently and our team of ambassadors will continue to fight to make sure that every child in the UK gets access to good, healthy food. We'd love if you could have a look at our work and support us at foodfoundation.org.uk. Yeah.